Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. Thoughts and comments expressed here are the opinions of Chad and Lou, and not necessarily those of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studios. Caution, this show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Musically Challenged. Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on pretty much whatever topic we want. I'm your host Chad, Nat 20 Knight, alongside Lou Thacko Schwalbach. This week we'll be talking about something near and dear to the Ancient One's heart, wrestling. Not the act, however, but the music involved with it. In the business, each superstar has their own entrance music that kind of gives an idea of what the persona is like. A good theme will convey a sense of what they're all about and or the attitude they're possessing in ring. While some of the themes were used were pieces of actual songs, most of them from 1985 up until 2014 were done by Jim Johnston. He's done the themes uh, for the weekly TV shows, pay-per-views, superstars, and video games, and is still working with WWE to this day, focusing now on scoring the WWE Studios releases. Starting in 2014, the entrance themes and TV content responsibility were passed along to CFO Money. His name is actually CFO with a dollar sign, but I'm calling him CFO Money because that's just retarded. I think we'll allow it. So today, Lou and I will be talking our favorite entrance themes from the wrestling universe. I think one of the challenges here is going to be if we truly like the music for what it is, or just like it because it's linked up with our favorite superstars. I'll be the first to admit that just because I appreciate the theme doesn't mean that I liked or followed the wrestler. However, in most cases, I did. So, Lou, brother, let's snap into a Slim Jim, huh? Oh, yeah! All right, well, you know what? With that, you know what? Why don't we do that? With that start, I'm actually going to start with that man himself, Randy Savage. The Macho Man. Oh, yeah. The dude was a cartoon, man. I'll tell you what. He was. He, he really was, was. He was absolutely hilarious. He used a piece of recorded music, a piece of classical music. Yep. Um, it was called Pomp and Circumstances by Edward Elgar, which if you don't know what Pomp and Circumstances is, you're going to know it after you hear this. Let's take a listen. If for whatever reason this isn't jogging your memory, let me just educate you. This was the music that anybody, anybody graduated to. Oh yeah, absolutely. When you walk across the stage to get your diploma in high school, they played it. Hell, high school, I know they're doing kindergarten graduations now, which I personally think is ridiculous, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> College, um, high school, you know, middle school, whatever the case is, you played this piece of music. Well, except when I graduated from college, because there was eight people that graduated in my class, and it didn't even pay to turn on the music. <laughs> they, they, they 
just didn't have the budget for it or what? Well, I, you know, I graduated from a tech college, so no, it was just a Saturday afternoon. They made us put on our robes and uh, go up there, and the dean handed us our. Uh, uh, here's diplomas. your shit. Get out of here. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Randy Savage was pretty much as manly and as flamboyant as I think we'd ask for, and he was during the Federation years. Okay, I have to say one thing about Randy Savage: best elbow drop in the entire industry ever. I wouldn't say personally it's the best, but I think it was the most solid. It was the most solid, and I think it was the most fun to watch because of the lead-up to it. Well, I disagree with you, but go on. All right. Randy Savage, pretty much everything he did was turned up to 11. Kind of like Roddy Piper, and he just didn't give a shit what you had to say as long as they loved you. That was his main thing. So it really wasn't surprising to hear his entrance. Let me just say, though, it takes big brass ones to use this piece of music for your entrance. Oh, yeah, I would agree with you there. So what are we thinking on your side here? Well, now, talking about big brass ones, um, that actually kind of leads right into uh, my first one, which is Triple H's entrance music um, done by Motorhead called The Game. I absolutely love this entrance music. The opening notes hit, and I pop. Even if I'm just sitting at home, it's just like the, the adrenaline pumps, and here we go. Here, listen to this. It's all about the game, and how you play it. All about control, and if you can take it. All about your debt, and if you can pay it. It's all about pain, and who's gonna make it? I am the game, you don't wanna play me. I am control, no way you can shake me. I am heavy debt, no way you can pay me. I am the pain, and I know you can't take me. Now, Lou, tell me that doesn't just make you anticipate the game. Triple H coming out and getting ready to fight. Getting ready to do that little spray mist thing, and Triple H played the heel perfectly. Oh, yeah, and he still does to this day. When when he goes out. I mean, right. of course, being behind the scenes more often. I, I enjoyed it. I think this is way better than his first one. Our Time, I think it was, the one with him in China. Oh, yeah, yeah, way back. I was not really a fan of that. I thought it was kind of annoying because he had, like, this screamy little, like, garage kid singing it. And then you come in and you get Lemmy singing this Motorhead, like, time to play the game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's, I actually have that in my notes. Then Lemmy, you know, from Motorhead, he just sings it and it's a total package. This may be one of the best theme songs ever for an entrance. Try to top that one, Lou. Oh, God. Why does it have to be topped? Why can't we just be equally good? Okay, I'll take it. E- <laughs> you show me one that's equally good. I think that'd be hard, a hard press, a hard sale. We'll put it that way. However, my next one I think I'm going to go with, and this one is partially because I like the song and more so because I like the wrestler himself, and that's Edge. Oh, the rated R superstar. I, I liked him even before he was rated R. I liked him back when he was with Edge and Christian. I thought the Brood Years was stupid, but it gave birth to a great tag team. Oh, yeah, Edge and Christian, I think probably, I think arguably could be one of the best tag teams in the WWE If during the Attitude Era. Right, and I think they're some of the most celebrated if you look at like the history of what they've won and everything. Yeah, and it was a, it was sad for me to watch what happened to Christian after they broke up the tag team, but, you know, it is what it is. Right. Now, his opening was called On the Edge, again, by Jim Johnston. Later on, it actually became into Metalingus by Alter Bridge, which they still used little aspects of the original On the Edge Jim Johnston, but they kind of meshed it together. Well, here, give a listen. You think you know me.
he did have three main openings. Again, he had the Gangrel one called Blood, which again was Johnston, and then the Metalingus. This one here is the Metalingus one, and I just love it. It's hard. It it's it seems almost like rated R personified. Right. Yeah. And it was it was kind of you know it started with those pops, and it just it was. I enjoyed it too. I mean, it was always easy to tell who was coming out. And to me, that's what also makes a good theme is when the music hits and you don't have to think about who it belongs to. Yeah, well, in the perfect example of that, and I don't I don't know if he's on your list, but he's certainly not on mine, is Stone Cold. I mean, once you heard that glass breaking, you knew who it was. How the hell did we miss Stone Cold? Next time. Okay, next time. Fair enough. But just one final thing here. I think that this the Ultra Bridge theme with the little bit of the You Think You Know Me on it, it adds the, pun intended, little bit of a rock edge to his opening, and you can just see him showboating and running down the ring with his arm raised with that uh, trench coat on, and I loved it. So I want to know, where was the pun in that? I'm kidding. Oh, I'm my God, kidding. thank you. It's, if you could see the face right now, I, I think, let me put my eyeballs back in my head. But it was totally worth it. All right, so up next um, is, for me, is Seamus and the song, uh, the entrance song. And now he's had several of them as well. But this one was called Hellfire. And it starts out with a very traditional Celtic-type music. And then they add in, you know, guitars and drums. And I think, I think there might even be a little synth in there, you know, just a little bit of the, the synth sound. So check out this clip. It makes me think of a movie soundtrack almost, like an entrance into a battle scene. That's the emotion that this entrance music brings out in me. Which makes sense to me since this was during Seamus' run as a heel. I don't know if you've been around for Seamus' run as a heel, but I loved him as a heel. It was amazing. I didn't, I'll be honest. In fact, the only exposure I've really had to Seamus was um, <laughs> in the video game. But watching him, I mean, he being almost so pale he's clear, yes. wrestle, which actually was just hilarious. He, and he was one of those guys, he was so, so pale... That when he'd take a chop or something to the chest, it would just turn bright red. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. You know, and, but when he was in his heel stage, he had this big beard and he would actually braid it and it would hang down and there was beads hanging out of it and shit. And he okay. has this All right. Ridiculous huge mohawk. red mohawk. And um, so, you know, he was, I always liked him as a wrestler. I really liked his music. And again, it's one of those things when the Titan Tron lights up and you hear that first hit, there's no question on who's coming out. And, and I think from what I listened to it when I was listening to this here is that it, it does convey him perfectly. I mean, obviously the whole the whole Scottish thing and uh, Irish, well, ish thing, <laughs> whatever, fine. Um, but I mean, the whole nationality thing, it just works because, I mean, it tells you who he is. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's playing to his roots. And actually, I'm going to my next one, I'm going to go kind of off that same one. But <laughs> I'm chuckling, and you'll know why in just a moment. And that was Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, yes. The dude was amazing. I'm sorry. I loved the guy. He was so much fun to watch. And he had multiple different openings throughout his years, um, using a lot of things from this one. Maybe this is where I was thinking of Scotland from, but using Scottish music, bagpipes. And then uh, Jim Johnston did one called Hot Rod because that was his nickname. Right. Well, let's just listen.
Roddy Piper was a dude who just, he was a wild man. I mean, he did whatever it took to get the job done. He was a hothead. He was technically a quote-unquote bad guy. But he was a celebrated bad guy, unlike a lot of the heels. Right, and he would go batshit crazy when it was actually the best, and he would flaunt his Scottish roots coming in with the bagpipe and the kilt and everything else. Many people were in the either love it or hate it camp when it came to bagpipes. I mean, some people just think it's nails on a chalkboard. I personally love bagpipes, just the Celtic music, the Scottish music. I actually listen to that day in and day out. And the reason I chuckled before, because Roddy Piper was Canadian. Was he really? The, the, the guy who played Roddy Piper was actually Canadian. So when I say flaunting his roots, it was flaunting his story-written roots. I thought he had some ties back to Scotland. He may have, but I mean, he was pretty well known as being Canadian. So, funny story about Roddy Piper. On the WWE Network, uh, which is a monthly pay wrestling channel, they do a, a show called Three Chairs. And what it is, is they take three of the classic wrestling guys and they sit around and they talk about their time on the road and that kind of stuff. Okay. And they did one with Roddy Piper and Mean Gene Okerlund, and I forget who the third guy was. But Roddy's telling the story of... I think it was WrestleMania 3, where he painted himself half black. Do you remember that? (laughs) I don't. That was kind of before I started really watching it. Okay, so he had went out there. I don't remember. I think, I can't remember who he was wrestling, but it was a black guy. Oh, Jesus. So he painted himself half black, right, with body paint. And when everything's said and done, the match is over. He goes back. He takes a shower. Somebody had messed with his paint, and now it was permanent. So he had to try to get on a plane half white and half black. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's horrible. The fact that he did that in the first place is bad enough. Well, you know, back then it was a little bit more, for lack of a better way to put it, acceptable than it would be now. Oh, yeah. Now it, it would be insane. But uh, Now you'd be using a rowboat because no one would touch you. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, on to my next one, I guess. Yeah. Um, and we're going to stay right in that. Irish, Scottish area of the world, Becky Lynch. Hold now, on, hold on a minute. I gotta wipe some drool up. Yeah, yeah. She is a beautiful woman. She really is. Her song is called Celtic Invasion. Here, listen to this. not make you want to stand up and cheer she is just one of a crop of amazing women wrestlers today in wwe it, it, well and it's stand up because you can't sit down okay i suppose we could go there <laughs> this entire entrance just wants you to make just just wants to make you stand up and move i could listen to this song a lot i find it a perfect mix with her style of wrestling which is very smash mouth and a bit acrobatic she kind of mixes the two different styles together and her dress style which is very steampunkish she was the uh, the women's champion um, on SmackDown on the SmackDown brand at one point. She isn't right now. She should have the title put back on her. Are you listening to me? Put the title back on Becky. What do you got, Lou? You know, and I have to. I'll just piggyback on that one a little bit. You know, even if I would not know that this is a wrestling opening theme, I would listen to this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's just such a high energy. In fact, this is almost workout music if you think about it. I mean, if, if they were to maybe up the beats beats per minute a little bit, they could make it a high-intensity workout. But as it stands, it's still a great piece to listen to. Oh, absolutely. Now, what I went to, we're going to go a little darker on this one. The Undertaker. Boom. Exactly. The Dead Man's been around since 85. 
85-ish? Yeah, he's been wrestling since 85. He's been in the WWE since 1991. He's been wrestling for quite a long time and has had probably more entrances than pretty much anybody in the business by now because he had to have something to start and then every time his motif changes, his he's got gimmick. something to... His gimmick, there you go. His entrances have all been always going along with the dark and the macabre. I mean, the one that I chose was called Dark Side. And it just has some evil-sounding evil vocals that could be Latin. It could be made-up gibberish, for all I know. Um, but And then it goes into a scary, sweeping piece that just brings chills. You know, let's take a listen. <laughs> It's, it's just creepy, man. I mean, it just, it's, oh, it's, it's goosebumps, you know, you just listen to that. And even if you've never seen his entrance with the whole smoke and the purple lights and everything else, it's just like, ah, no, no, I'll, I'll I'm going to sit and just don't pick me out of the audience, please. Are you, are you familiar with the band Knox Arcana? It sounds familiar, but I'm not hundred percent. Okay. They do a lot of very dark type music and they do it done in a in a way for people that role play, okay. so you can have you know music in the background. Oh sure, okay. And it, that reminds me a lot of that, and I'm sure it was probably written by Johnston, but it just gives me that same feel. If you're a gamer out there and you're listening to this, definitely go out to uh, YouTube and check out Knox Arcana. They are really kind of amazing, honestly. Yeah, we'll have to check that out later. Um, one of the other things, you know, Taker has been in and out. Um, he took some time off either due to injury or personal, whatever the case was, and he came back in one of his later ones. I didn't put this on here, but we'll just mention it. He came back to, in 97, as the American badass, the biker. Oh, yeah. For a short time, did Limp Bizkit's Rollin', which gave way, thankfully, later on to the American badass by Kid Rock, which, watching him rolling on the motorcycle, that, that home-build chopper, right, with that Kid Rock music in there, just raising that left hand... Was just awesome. That wasn't that far of a stretch for the Undertaker because in reality he's a big biker. So you know, it's, big literally. The dude's like what seven seven foot or uh, six, not quite. Six eleven. He's like six ten, six eleven. Yeah, he's a big dude. I still wouldn't mess with him. Me either. He he might sell you some real estate. He's doing that now. He's <laughs> he's big into that, from what I understand. That yeah. UFC, I guess. Yeah. He'd be one that I think would be just amazing to sit down and swap stories with. Yeah, it might well, be fun. Not, not so much swap stories. because Just listen to him talk. Right, because, I, I, yeah, I've watched it on TV a lot. <laughs> what can you tell me? Yeah, right. All right, so uh, next up, I'm actually going to go to someone who spent time in WWE. He's really mostly known for his time in ECW. Okay. So, Taz, the human suplex machine. He was a monster in the ring and out of the ring when... The uh, heart monitor sound hit. You know, he had kind of started off. It was that that, that heart monitor beep, yep, beep, yep. beep, you know, kind of thing. Uh, you know some shit is going down. I mean, there's just no other question. The guy's going to come to the ring. Um, the music's very repetitive, which is a lot like Taz, because he could suplex you all day long, over and over and over. Well, here, listen to this.
speaking with that, wasn't there a match when they had like they counted how many suplexes he did? Yeah, I mean he's done over. I, I want to say over twenty in a match. I think there's been a couple other superstars. I think Angle for a while used to try to do like the triple or try to keep up with it. But no, you're right. Taz was just a monster. I mean, yeah, I mean, and you know, for a for for a uh, poor kid from Red Hook, New Jersey, he sure made his name in wrestling. I'm a huge Taz mark, and I don't care. I I wish he still wrestled, but unfortunately, you know, broke his neck twice. Jesus, it's time to retire, I guess. That's and you know and actually neck injuries are nothing to mess around with. I, th- I believe that's actually why Edge went out as well. It was he had to retire because of a neck injury. He having fusing and possibly you know losing all feeling and being paralyzed and it ain't worth it. I mean Lita went out for the same reason. Um, Kurt Angle uh, broke his neck. Stone Cold Steve Austin because oh, yeah. of a broken neck. Yeah, I among mean, other things. Well, right, and that's one of the big reasons they got rid of the uh, pile drivers because that oh, was sure. a big culprit of that. Yep, but. What do you got you know, next? Well, and I'm going to just touch one final thing. And with Taz, I enjoyed him wrestling. I actually more enjoyed him behind the mic. I thought he was a great color man. Well, then you should check out his podcast. I may have to do that. Now, my next one I'm going to go with, and you actually did mention him as one of the neck breakers, and that's Kurt Angle. Ah, yes. Kurt Angle. His music was called Metal by Jim Johnston. Imagine that. Is that the one where every, when he would come out, everybody would sing, you suck? That was actually later. Oh, that was later. Okay, um, so this is a different one. This is his first one. And, well, let's just listen to this real quick. So that version. Kurt Angle was actually one of the first real no bullshit actual wrestlers out there. I mean, he won gold in, um, what was it, the 96 Olympics? Yeah, I think? 96 Olympics. And listening to this, to me, it feels gladiatorial. I mean, it's majestic, it's gladiatorial, it's like, you know, it's Olympic. Right, absolutely. I mean, it's not, I mean, if you listen to like the John Williams Olympic March with all the brass and everything else, this is what it reminds me of. Now, later on, the piece that you're talking about is actually called I Don't Suck by Jim Johnston. Okay. And this time has a little bit more of a harder edge. It has more guitar and everything else to it. But it was it was hilarious because there was the pre-hair and the post-hair days of Kurt Angle. Right, yeah. And the shaving of Kurt Angle's head was one of my favorite episodes. I think it was an Edge episode, too. It could have been, absolutely. He was supposed to be a babyface, but people thought he was such a pretentious asshole that every time it went to the dun-dun, it was just, you suck. And and he was almost crying every time he came out. I mean, granted, it was a play, but it was still hilarious. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, Kurt Angle always kind of played a heel-type character. I mean, he did have a couple face runs, but as a heel, that's the kind of reaction you want to get. You know, and him playing up the fact that he was going to cry about it was perfect. Oh, he got the exact pop he was looking for. Exactly. But in the back of his head, you know, he's sitting there going, this is awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. What do you got for me? Um, next up, I've got uh, Chris Jericho, Y2J, you know, and um, I'm talking here more specifically about his countdown, uh, I believe is what it was ca- called. And this started up just before he came back, I think, in 2001. So it was right after the year 2000. The millennium. Yeah, the millennium, right. the whole you know Y2K thing. Right, right. And he started going by Y2J. So this isn't so much of a song as it is kind of a rap. It's more of a spoken word thing. At least that's the way it feels to me. 
Yeah, kind of. However, when you're watching wrestling and that countdown from 10 begins, it makes you ready for one of the best wrestlers in the last decade. Here, check this out. technical wrestlers that's for sure well right and you know for a guy who thinks he's john bon jovi because he has his band fozzy on the side who's actually pretty decent yeah fozzy isn't bad and he's an awesome wrestler with a lot of talent what's your thoughts on jericho i remember jericho i remember the whole y2j thing and just thinking who is this dork because really he came out and he was just like god's gift to wrestling and he's good i'll give you that he's he's an amazing wrestler it just made me laugh though because he thought he was so great and then he stood up like nose to nose with the likes of the rock and the rock basically just like sit down meet yeah exactly i like him better with the short hair i mean he did go the bon jovi right we're gonna go that way because if you remember bon jovi in the 80s long awkward yeah. hair and then if i remember and you can correct me if i'm wrong in this one jericho had like that top ponytail for a yeah, while. oh he had that top knot bullshit yeah oh it just looked ridiculous and then now he's actually if i he's sporting the short hair he's sporting the short hair and this is why i say he's a john bon jovi lookalike sporting the short hair he is wearing like silk vests without a shirt underneath them okay yeah oh uh, a scarf i haven't seen the scarf oh yeah 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 so it's like dude and, and he's got the big, you know, tattoo, the big color tattoo on his arm now, like John does. It's not the same tattoo. I haven't, I, I must have been a while since saying I don't remember seeing the tattoo. Yeah, so it's, uh, it, it's really funny every time I see him. And then somebody on one of the episodes said that to him. They're like, okay, you John Bon Jovi wannabe. And I'm like, yes, exactly. Mind blown. Yes, exactly. So what's next? Next is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, period. And this is Mankind. Uh, Mankind, uh, yes. he was the insane boiler man. However, it wasn't that persona that I appreciated. It was the persona with using Jim Johnston's wreck, which once you heard the squealing of those tires yep. of that car coming up. And he still uses that. Oh, yeah. Um, you knew it was going to be fun. Let's take a listen. <laughs> I do have to say one thing about uh, Mick Foley in general. He's used several different gimmicks over the years. My favorite gimmick, Cactus Jack. Okay, I was hoping you weren't going to go with Dude Love. No, Dude Love was fun, but no, not my not my favorite. Cactus Jack was badass. Cactus Jack was actually a persona he used. Um, it was I don't in know Japan, he, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know if he ever used it in the WWE. He did use it in WCW. But, I mean, he did barbed matches, he did explosion matches, he did all kinds of shit that will break your body. Oh, yeah. You know, and we talked about career-ending injuries. I'm amazed this man can walk. I mean, two words. Undertaker, cage. Oh, yeah. Hell in a cell. When he threw, uh, when he threw, uh, was it Mankind? Yeah, when he threw Mankind yeah. off the top of the, off the top of the cage, the cell, 
down what was it what they say the Spanish, 18 feet? was it the announcer table I yeah think? it was the spanish announcer table i think it was like 18 foot bump or something like that yeah they take him out on a stretcher and he comes back climbs up again undertaker choke slams him through the top of the cage onto the mat and he still kept fighting took a tooth that fell out of his mouth and came out of his nose and you could see it when you see pictures of it yes you can actually it is see disgusting the it's hilarious it's disgusting well we're gonna dif- differ on this one here i mean now it's called wreck and you know with all the high impact that he takes i think it's perfectly appropriate you know he's been in the business probably pretty close to as long as undertaker in some way shape or form his shick his shtick not his shick he wasn't shaving with it um <laughs> Was just that he was insane, he was mentally a wreck. You know, and again, too, once you hear those screeching tires, you know what it is all about. And even when he was doing, like, the the office end stuff, when he would come out as commissioner and things like that, when you'd hear that, it's like, oh, yeah, because you never know which way Foley was going to go. Right. I mean, was he going to be do something legitimate? Was he going to do something that pandered to the fans and make people laugh? Like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're in this kind of match. Ha-ha, have a good day. Yeah. And he still comes out to that music. He's now the GM of Raw. Okay. Uh, he still comes out to that music, but the thing that he's he does it every time, he takes the cheap pop and he's like, how's everybody, and you know, name that city, and they get the cheap pop. But he did that once, and he got the wrong city. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> he started this shtick now, so every time he comes out, he goes, hey, it's great to be in, and he looks at his palm of his hand where he writes the name of the city he's in. So he never gets it wrong That again. is perfect. And, it, you know, it plays to his character, too. Oh, absolutely. So it's, it makes me think of the recent, well, not recent, it was about a year ago, what, the Steve Harvey thing with the announcing the wrong person, the winner of the Miss Universe or oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, that was hilarious. And that's, if you've seen the, the ads for the most recent one that came on TV, and he's like, I'm surprised they invited me back. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, I actually, it's not so much singles entrance this is a trio this is uh the extreme team our team extreme they call themselves so lita and the hardy boys oh yeah lita okay now i'm just gonna put that out there lita is one of the hottest women wrestlers ever i you're not gonna get any arguments from me and her work uh her work with the hardy boys the extreme team and they called themselves stands on its own the hardys were amazing singles and team wrestlers uh they played the part well the music is kind of extreme and was written by Jeff Hardy and I believe played by his band as well. Okay. Here, listen to this. can i say about this it's a great chunk of music what are your thoughts on this lou it's got a real good beat and i mean again i'm not going to argue that at all i mean as soon as i saw lita first of all i got a thing for redheads which is part of it and i saw lita and i'm just like oh god i got another one that i got a crush on it's just <laughs> it's just the way it add is. her to the stable but no i i enjoyed it she was fun did you to... say sable no actually i did not but um no i i remember enjoying watching her i mean she had a really good hurricane rana that was yes. entertaining. Uh, she did, a, what was it, a moonsault, I think? Yep, she did a moonsault. She was like a cruiserweight in the way she moved around the ring. She was, and the sexist comment that I'm, I'm going to make is that, you know, I'll take any of those moves anytime just to have that contact. <laughs> I'm going to feel it the next day, but that would be it would be a, a pain of love. <laughs> uh, all right, so what do you got next? 
<laughs> I'm just going to go away from this one. <laughs> All right. The next one I'm going to go with actually is another tag team, or I guess we determined it wasn't a stable because it was only two. Right. Um, it was the Acolytes. Okay. And I can see that. It was um, Farouk and Bradshaw. Bradshaw now goes by JBL. Damn. Yeah. And it's called Protection. It's done by Jim Johnston. Farouk and Bradshaw were kind of treading water when they were singles, and then even together, they were just kind of like nobody cared because just random people beating people up. You know, it was well, nothing exciting. Well, and were they both part of uh, the, the big stable, the, uh, never mind, I can't remember what it was called. We'll look it up later. Um, but they they were kind of not doing anything, and then they formed a protection, they actually worked with, I get back here, they worked with Undertaker's Ministry, and then when they broke off of that, they renamed themselves the Acolyte Protection Agency. Right. And basically became Merc Bodyguards. Right, and they worked for money and beer. Well, let's just listen to this for a moment. pretty hilarious uh, especially towards the end when they would put up a door in a frame in the middle of an open room and force people to knock on the door to get their services it was gr- the music is gruff it hits you by the head it just brings up an image of a couple intimidating bodyguards threatening to beat you up if you piss them off and i mean i can see people drinking beer playing cards and smoking cigars to this music oh god i would why not so what do you got for me all right so the last one i got today is is one that i think had to make the list we both kind of had it on our list, but I'm the one that ended up with it, is Real American, the Hulk Hogan entrance from his early days. I am a real American. When Hogan's music hit back in my youth, you cheered. It didn't matter where you were or who you were with. Hogan was the ultimate babyface for most of his career, and even when he went gray, no one questioned if he was a good guy. He just was. Listen to this. with Andre the Giant, Randy Macho Man Savage, and of course Roddy Piper. Who was a better showman than Hulk Hogan? He was. He was a great showman, and he was, per his song, the real American. I mean, remember, if you remember his battles with, like, the Iron Sheik. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was America versus Iran. I mean, this was during the Reagan era, so, I mean, that's what was happening. And it just, it played to the audience, and whoever wrote this, I mean, they hit it out of the park. Well, absolutely. I mean, there was nobody who was a better showman than Hogan. Now, if you get right down to Hogan's wrestling ability, it's shaky at best. It's kind of sloppy, actually. Yeah. But he was a mic. He was great on the mic. He was he was an all-around package except for the actual wrestling, and nobody cared. No, because I mean, if he, I just remember him and Mean Gene. Because him and Mean Gene, you could never tell if he was if Mean Gene was afraid of him, or I mean, obviously I'm guessing he wasn't because he knew nothing was going to happen. But I mean, he played that he was just scared by him. And Hogan <laughs> back when he still had a little bit of hair was um, he just he you're exactly right he worked the mic perfectly and the whole uh, say your prayers take your vitamins say your prayers listen to your parents whatever his, the hell it was with his, with his 24 inch pythons yeah I always 
I just love that. The biggest pythons in the world. And now and now you see other guys in the wrestling ring that it, it's like, really, if he still used that line? I mean, I'm, Hogan's more or less retired at this point. He's more of a mouthpiece for wrestling than anything else. Oh, not since his racist stuff, remember? Well, but there is there is rumors that he will be back for WrestleMania this year. I hope so. I, I To me, it personally feels they made an example out of him, which I don't agree with, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, that's that's that's... As we say in the podcast world, that's an entirely different podcast. Exactly. All right, so round us out here. What do you got? Well, I think my last one I'm going to be was the New Age Outlaws. Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> you asked better call somebody. That's right. And it's it was uh, Road Dog Jesse James and Badass Billy Gunn, which both had wrestled solo. Later on, they also were part of DX. Right. Um, but when they first came together during the Attitude Era, they were just fun the opening theme which again started with our back and forth just now here was just funny oh yeah absolutely you um road dog himself actually said it and the original music didn't have the voice to it but it's just too funny not to let's listen to it oh you didn't know your ass better call somebody Again, too, it's it's just a matter of comic, you know. Road Dog itself, I mean, he is charismatic, you know. And I, I'll be I'll be the first to admit I was not a huge fan of the New Age Outlaws mainly because most of the time that I ever saw those two wrestlers, they were on X Pac, and I hated X Pac. Could not stand that son of a bitch. Yeah, I can I can see that. Sean Waltman, X Pac, uh, Six Pack, whatever. Wasn't he, wasn't he the one two three kid? He was the one two three kid. I mean, he was good until he was a hyper monkey. He was a hyper monkey, but he was good until you know he fell into that pit that unfortunately so many wrestlers do of alcohol and drugs. He just became a character that I had no time or desire to watch. No, and I just I mean, he was he was kind of a lightweight. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and to me, he almost seemed like he was one of those that kind of rode the coattails of Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Yeah, and, and they did that. I mean, if you know the story behind DX and who got picked and why they got picked, they picked X-Pac almost as a way to keep an eye on him to help him through his rehab and that kind of stuff, which is why he became part of DX. Is that the real life or the stable story? That is the real life. Okay. So... No, stable story because they, they needed a cruiserweight, you know? Sure. They needed to have somebody that could wrestle in the uh, in the cruiserweight division, so. You know, and, and again, too, I just, I didn't care for X-Pac, but at the same time, too, this is one of the themes that, again, too, I just chuckle every time I hear it. And when I would be watching SmackDown on Thursday nights, I would hear this first part. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun match. And, you know, it was still more fun than watching Billy Gunn with Chuck Palumbo as Billy and Chuck. Oh, God, that was awful. It was. All right, so we're going to wrap this one up here. You know, if you want to drop us a line with suggestions, criticism, you know, anything, praise, we like praise too, you can send us an email to musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, all this will be in the uh, in the notes in the show, so you don't have to try to uh, get it figured out from here. And you can also find us on Facebook at uh, Musically Challenged Podcast. So uh, until next week.